0: Let's stand for the reading of God's Word once again. Ephesians chapter five. Thank you for joining us on our midweek service, midweek time of, of worship and study, going through our series Family Discipleship. This is God's Word. Please give it your full attention. Ephesians five twenty two through twenty four. <clears throat> Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church his body, and is himself its savior. Now, that as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Let us pray. Our Lord and God, we thank you. (coughs) Excuse me. Thank you for the grace that you've given us. The means of grace that you've given us, Lord, even tonight, to sit in and among the people of God, And in our ears hear the word of God preached. As it is preached, Lord, give us by grace, give us ears, Lord, that hear. Not ears that resist, not ears that disagree, but rather ears that see your word and humbly bow. Lord, it will take regenerated hearts to receive your word. So, Lord, if there are those who have not yet Turned from their sin and trusted in Christ alone. We pray that tonight in some kind of way they may hear the gospel message and believe. We pray that if it not be heard in our sermon and God, please let it be. Then let one of the members take the others who are sitting around them. As their responsibility to go to them and share with them the gospel. Lord, I decrease so that you may increase. I become less so that you alone can become more. Be glorified tonight for the glory of God and for the sake of Christ and for the good of his people, we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Over the past two weeks, we have been discussing the biblical calling of men to male headship in the marriage and in the home. We've looked at the God-given responsibility of men to lead in their homes. And the way that men are called to lead is through love or by the way they love. Men are called to lead with a sacrificial love, one that reflects the love of Christ to lay down his life for his people. We learned that men are called to lead with a purifying love. A love that seeks to prepare his wife to be presented to God as pure, without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. I will say that, especially for that purifying part, that sanctifying agent, you are a sanctifying agent in your wife's life. That's going to look different in every single one of our marriages. Because your wives are all different. Your, your wives, just as you men, learn differently. Quick question. How many of you learn better visually? How many of you learn better audibly? There's a big difference there. So, men, you should know or learn to know how your wife learns. If you think that sitting her down in front of a theological book is the way everyone's going to do it, you might have some difficulty or you might want to show her something. You might want to listen to her. Uh, Or you might want to ask her questions and then listen to her responses. There's a lot of different ways in which you can teach your wives. But don't think that there's only one way. Know your wife, know how your wife learns, and then go in that direction. Amen? We also learn that men are to lead with a caring love. As we gently and patiently love our wives with the kind of care and patience that Christ has for his church. So, what is the ultimate aim and goal for men in loving this way? What is the ultimate aim and goal for men having this loving kind of leadership? The ultimate goal is that the husband might reflect the love of Christ, the love that Christ has for his church. That is the ultimate goal that you husbands have in your marriages. And the ultimate goal of the woman, the ultimate goal of the woman is that she might reflect how the church then responds to Christ by submission. Husbands, your responsibility is to love your wives in a way that reflects the love of Christ. Wives, your responsibility is to submit to your husbands in a way that reflects how the church submits to Christ. In that, by the grace of God, we have the picture of the gospel and what the gospel does when it comes upon broken, lost sinners. It makes us love in ways that we could not love before. It makes us submit in ways that we do not naturally want to submit. And this is all a product of what? The gospel. The gospel. If you keep the gospel at the forefront of your minds, if you keep the gospel in front of your eyes, then the things that you go through as husbands and wives have to be resolved. Let me say that again. If you keep the gospel and your your responsibility, your calling to reflect the gospel in your marriages, in front of your minds, before your eyes, then the things that you go through, the fights that you go through, the difficulties of finances that you go through, ups and downs, all of these things have to be have to be must be resolved. Because ultimately it's not about the problems, it's not about the finances, it's not even about the kids, it's about you and your husband reflecting the gospel. Therefore, it's bigger than you and your husband. This marriage picture is bigger than you and your husband then. How is this accomplished in the wife? So we know submission. How is that accomplished in the wife? What is she called to do? Paul tells us. Verse 22 of chapter 5, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. How is the, the, the picture of the wife and the picture of the gospel, how is that accomplished in the woman? What is her role? What is her responsibility? Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, that's an important point. Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, it says this is accomplished. This picture of the gospel is accomplished, women, through your Willful submission. The Apostle Paul is describing for us the marks in this whole chapter, the marks of the Christian life. Those who are filled by the Holy Spirit, those who are filled with the Holy Spirit. This is what your lives are marked by, or this is how your lives are marked. The spirit-filled life. It was and is a life that is marked by service. The spirit filled life is a life that is marked by service. Those who are great in the kingdom of God, in the eyes of God, are not those who are known by status, but those who are known by service. The greatest man who ever lived said, I did not come to serve, to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. We, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, are called to serve one another. We are called to submit to one another in Christ. As we are in Christ, we submit to one another in the local church. Now the apostle Paul applies this general principle of mutual submission in the church believer to believer to the home. And how a Christian wife is to conduct herself as being a spirit-filled person in the home. And her response as a spirit-filled person in the home, the way that she is to live is in willful submission To her husbands, to her husband. Keeping this, this ultimate picture in mind, verse 22. Submit yourselves to your own husbands as to the Lord. Wives have been gifted. Listen close, women. You women have been gifted and you have been granted the glorious privilege of picturing in your marriages with your husbands the church's relationship to its great Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ as you live in submission to your husbands you have been gifted you have been granted by god the privileged listen to these 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 mega words you've been gifted you've been granted you have been gifted and granted a privilege of what of picturing to the world the church's response to its savior That is your gift. I wonder if you've ever thought of submission as a gift. I wonder if you've ever thought of your position under the headship of your husband as a gift from God. Because that's exactly the way the Apostle Paul describes it. You have been gifted, granted the privilege of representing the church to the world and how it responds to Christ. The world has taught you. That submission is not a gift, but it's a curse. The world has taught you to run from submission like the plague. The world has taught you that your husband is a, an idiot, that you know better than him. And yet God has called your husband to lead you and for you to submit to his leadership. Now we are not saying that it always feels like a gift. Don't get that twisted. If you stop at this point and say, well, it doesn't always feel like a gift. It's not going to always feel like a gift, just like you're not always going to feel saved. But it doesn't change the fact that you are saved. And it doesn't also change the fact that it is a gift from God and that that creative order will not change. And if it is the way that God has created you, if if, if it is the way that God has set up his creation, then it is God's will. Therefore, you must rejoice in his will. Amen. Throughout the, this whole section of Paul's letter, Jesus Christ is set before us as the heart and cornerstone of Christian marriages. Jesus Christ is set before us as the heart and cornerstone of every Christian marriage. Verse 32, he says this in chapter 5. This whole marriage picture, wives to husbands and husbands to wives, it's a profound mystery. But here's what Paul does know. There's a lot of things that are mysterious to Paul in all of this, but here's what Paul does know. I'm speaking about Christ and the church. There's a lot of things that are mysterious in that relationship, but Paul does know this, that the ultimate aim, the ultimate picture in our marriage relationship is that it is a reflection of Christ and his church. The ultimate relationship, then, is not a wife to her husband or even a husband to his wife. The ultimate relationship is not then a wife to her husband or a husband to his wife. The ultimate relationship is the relationship of Jesus Christ to his believing people, his church, his bride. That is the ultimate relationship. Let, Let me just say to you, grown, even more grown, younger and still growing. Let me say to you. This is why you will never find ultimate significance or ultimate human validation in a boyfriend or girlfriend or in your husband or wife. You will not find ultimate validation, ultimate significance in a husband, wife, boyfriend or girlfriend. Glorious relationships they are, yes, But the most glorious relationship is the one that you have with Christ. Therein will you find the satisfaction and the fulfillment of all of your deepest needs. Young women, learn this. Middle-aged women, learn this. Old women, learn this. Young men, middle-aged men, old men, learn this. Your ultimate satisfaction is only going to be found in Christ You can be single and satisfied in Christ. You can be married and still find your your satisfaction in your marriage in Christ. We are a people with eternity set in our hearts. And the only one who can satisfy that need, that desire, is the eternal one. He's the one that our hearts have been created to long for. We must never seek For validation in our wives or even in our husbands or anyone else for that matter. We find our validation. We find our comfort. We find our satisfaction in Christ and in Christ alone. This is why there's no marriage in heaven. This is why there is no marriage in heaven. I keep telling my wife, I'm still going to find you. I'm still going to find you. That is why there is no marriage in heaven. Because... Jesus Christ is the only bridegroom, and there there is only one bride in heaven, and that is the church. It will ultimately, what we experience here, will ultimately be fulfilled in Christ. Therefore, when we are in heaven, there will be no need for husbands, because we have our husband. And there will be no need for wives, because we are the bride. Who has ultimately and finally been consummated and united to. Our great husband, our great bridegroom. So what is the calling of the Christian wife? The Apostle Paul says in verse 22, Submit wives to your own husbands as to the Lord. Tonight, I'm going to just deal with two points. Within our first point, there'll be a number of points, and I'm sure there'll be a number of points within our second point. But here we go. Number one, the calling of submission. The calling of submission. And as I said in our prayer In order for you to receive this message, your heart must be truly regenerated. That is to say that the biblical teaching of submission is often a difficult subject to accept. But if your hearts have truly been regenerated, then it's a subject that you willfully and willingly and joyfully embrace. Anything that is taught here, you embrace it. Though it may be difficult... Then say you like it. You embrace it. No, no, no. You joyfully embrace it. You love it. It's what God says you love it. Amen? There will be times when the doctrine of a wife's submission to her husband will be difficult, but it is ordained by God. Remember that. It is ordained by God. And ultimately, the regenerated wife knows that she's ultimately not submitting to her husband, she is ultimately submitting to Christ. Christ is the one who commanded it. So ultimately, even though this man is making me upset right now, although I don't feel like he deserves it right now, although I don't want to. Christ has commanded it. Therefore, my submission to him is my submission to Christ. Wives, verse 22, submit to your own husbands. The wives calling is submission. Let me say our first obligation is submission. Submission. But our first obligation is submission to Christ. Our first, all of our first obligation is submission. And it is first and foremost submission to Christ. Paul is calling wives to express that primary calling of submission to Christ in their disposition or the way that they live toward their husbands. So if you are submitting to Christ, the byproduct of that is you are submitting to Christ. If you are submitting to Christ, the byproduct of that is you are submitting to your husband. You can't say that you're submitted to Christ and you resist, refuse to submit to your husbands. It doesn't work that way. If you say you've submitted to Christ, then you've also submitted to your husband as a, as a, broad, a byproduct or a result of your submission to Christ. Wives are to express their primary uh, submission to Christ by submitting to the one that Christ has united you to. Your husbands. Amen. If you're submitted to Christ then you will likewise be submitted to your husbands. Now, do you submit to your husbands? Let me do this. How many of you are married? Uh, women, let's do this. W- women, raise your hand if you're married. So I'm going to be looking at certain faces tonight, okay? You single ones, there will be a message for you soon, okay? I decided we're not going to leave you out. <clears throat> Are you submitting to your husband's wives? How do you know? How do you know you're submitting to your, to your husband? What evidences are there that you are submitting to your husband? What can you point to in your life and say, this is how I submit to my husband? Because it's easy to just say yes. But I'd like for you to think for a moment in your own minds. How am I submitting to my husband? What are the evidences that I do submit to him? Verse 22. Submit your own husbands as to the Lord. Wives are submitted to their own husbands. Not to another man's husband. (laughs) Obvious point. Wives, comma, submit to your own husbands. As to the Lord. Wives are not called to come under the headship of another man. Except. For your own husband. Another husband should not have more influence on you than your own husband. Another husband should not be more influential, more spiritual that you come under than your husband. You should not accept another man's leadership. And now we're talking outside of the church. Then your husband. This doesn't mean you don't submit to elders. It does mean though, outside of this church... You should not be looking toward another man for insight. You should not be speaking to other men outside of this church for wisdom. You should not be looking or speaking to other men outside of this church for spiritual counsel. Because there is one that has been placed in your life to give you that counsel, and that is your husband. Now, if you're in the local church, then you both come together. So that you as a couple may receive wisdom and guidance from the elders. But you never go by yourself. Amen. Let me say to you ladies, that's dangerous ground to do that. That is dangerous ground to do that. And likewise, men, you are also not to do that to to other women. Women should not feel like you're flirting with them. Married men. Women should not feel like you're giving them an eye that you should not be giving them. Amen. Amen. There should be no other husband or no other man outside of your marriage that is more influential on you than your own husband. Than the one who is called to lead you and sanctify you in Christ. Verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands. Here's the imperative. Remember the imperative indicative? The imperative is wives, submit. What's the What's the indicative? Because of what Christ has accomplished. On behalf of the church, the imperative is, in light of what Christ has accomplished on behalf of the church, wives, submit to your own husbands. Submit. That is the command to the woman. She is to recognize that her husband is the head, the priest of her home, and has been placed in that position by God. Who establishes all authoritative positions? God does. God does. It's amazing to me how I've been seeing in the news lately, all these different so-called celebrities, I guess that's what they're supposed to be called, who are so upset of the fact that other celebrities are meeting with our president-elect. As if it was going to change. As if meeting with him or meeting with him somehow makes you evil. God has placed that man there. And if it were Hillary, we'd be saying the exact same thing. God has placed him there. God has established authority. Now, God has placed a man over you, not because of superiority and not because of your inferiority, because it is the will and purpose of God. Because it is the will and purpose of God. As we stated in previous sermons, this passage is not an isolated passage. Colossians chapter 3, verse 18. Wives, submit to your husbands as it is fitting to the Lord. The Apostle Peter, inspired by the Holy Spirit, commanded in in 1 Peter 3, 1, Wives, in the same way, submit to yourselves to your own husbands, and husbands, love your wives. What does it mean to submit? We've been saying this word over and over again. What does it mean to submit? A wife's submission to her husband. What does that mean? Let's, Let's first, before we talk about what it means, what I like to do often is talk about what it doesn't mean. So what submission does not mean? Here's a few sub points. Submission does not mean a wife submits to her husband like a child submits to their parents. You hear that? A wife's submission to her husband is not like the child's submission to their parents. Wives are not to be treated like children. Although they may act like it sometimes. And husbands are not to be treated like children. Although we act like it sometimes. Probably more often than none, right? Although we act like children, we are not to be treated as children. And although they may sometimes act like children, they are not to be treated as children. Amen. So submission does not mean that we treat each other like children. Rather, the Bible says in First, in first Peter chapter 3, verse 7, Grant her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life. Grant her honor. Men are to view their wives as a fellow heir of the grace that has been given to us by Christ. She's a fellow heir. She is a fellow. We are to grant her honor. We find no passage in scripture that says that we are to grant our children honor. Only our wives and only our husbands. So honor her. Honor him. As a fellow heir in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are commanded to honor our wives. Uh, Women are not inferior to men. We are joint heirs to the grace of life. We are together one flesh in Christ. Here's another what submission does not mean. Submission does not mean that women lose their uniqueness. Submission does not mean that women lose their uniqueness. The wife doesn't leave her brain at the altar and no longer can think for herself. Not the case. She has her own thoughts. She has her own thoughts. When you are united to your husband, when you submit to him, this this does not mean you lose your uniqueness, your own expressions. You do not live your lives with a veil over your face as you silently follow your husband. Not so. As a matter of fact, that's counterfeit submission. That's false submission. That's, that's abuse. When we see that in the Muslim world of women who have no identity, that is not who God has called you to be as you submit. And, and, and think about this. Isn't it interesting that as a result of Christianity, this women's liberation movement has taken place. As a result of Christianity, feminism has taken place. You think you could have women's liberation in the Middle East? What would happen to women if they tried women's liberation movement in the Middle East? There'd be a bunch of dead women in the Middle East. Do you see how the, the, the Christian orthodox teaching of Christianity there's a freedom there, but that freedom has been taken to an extreme. This couldn't happen. We couldn't teach that in the, in the Middle East as Muslims. It's only here where Christianity has spread that this can be taught and be taught in a biblical way. We are image bearers of God. People who are made in God's image. We have unique abilities that God has created us with. And when you get married, those abilities, those unique gifts are not to disappear or be absorbed in your husbands. You have those unique things. And husbands, you should rejoice in the uniquenesses of your wives. You should look at some of the special things that your wife has and say, my God, I have a great gift. My wife, the other day, for our son's birthday, pulled up this picture of the front of Jurassic Park and what that whole thing looks like on a cake and said, I think I can make that. I walked away from her and I said, if there's anybody who can do that, it's my wife. I came back later on and maybe some of you saw the pictures. Crazy. And I can't help but brag on her. She has so many gifts, so many things that make her special and unique. Men, you should never want to hover over your wives and not let them be them. That's one of the reasons why you married them. Amen. Amen. Here's another thing. Wives are not to turn a blind eye to the sins of their husbands. Submission does not mean that you look at your husband's sins and say, well, I can't say anything to him because I'm not allowed to. No, not at all. This means that where there is sin, wives, you love him enough to confront him. You love him enough to help him and you even love him enough to encourage and counsel him through it. That's willful, loving, godly submission. Amen. This does not mean that you have a license to nag, though. Because you know what husbands will end up if you continue to nag. The Proverbs tell us, on the roof. The Bible says it's better to live on the the, the top of a roof than to live with a nagging wife. So, wives, we encourage you to come. Help us with our sins. Comfort us when we are caught in them. Help us. Encourage us. Counsel us through us. But don't nag, because that's a good way to have a husband on your roof. Men, this means you must trust your wife to help you. This means that you must trust your wife to encourage you. You must trust your wife with your deepest, darkest feelings and thoughts. If she's going to help you. There is no person in your life that you should be able to share your struggles with, men, And women than the person that God has united you to in the marriage. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now, what is submission? What is submission? I recently read a quote from John Piper on this subject. Here's what he says submission is. Submission is the divine calling of a wife to honor and affirm her husband's leadership and to help him carry it through according to her gifts. It's the disposition to follow a husband's authority and an inclination to yield to his leadership. It is an attitude that says, I delight for you to take the initiative in our family. I am glad when you take responsibility for the things, for things and lead with love. It also says, I don't flourish in in the relationship when you are passive and I have to make sure the family works. Submission is realizing your God-given calling under your husband and joyfully embracing that role as it has been gifted to you and granted to you by God. We cannot emphasize that enough, that it is a gift. It has been entrusted into your care by God. As a wife submits, she comes under the leadership of her husband. She supports and encourages his leadership in the home. The Apostle Peter gives us an example of a submissive wife in Sarah. The Bible says in 1 Peter 3, 1, Wives, be subject to or respect your own husbands. Respect or be subject to. Respect his efforts to lead. Respect his efforts to provide. What was the last time you thanked your husband for going to work that day and providing for your family? When was the last time that you made a meal and said, I'm making this because I just love you and respect everything that you're doing in this home? And everything I see you're trying to do in the home. This also means, men, you've got to get to work. God does not bless lazy men. And you should not be surprised, men, if your wife is frustrated with you because you're not working. And you're not providing. Well, I'm trying to. What are you doing to try? How are you trying? What what efforts are you putting forward to try to provide for your family? That's the easy way to get your wife to lose respect for you. Here's another way to get you to easy way for your wife to lose respect for you. Don't lead her spiritually. And let her watch other men lead their wives. And then she'll look at you and say, what is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? Wives, respect your husband. Husbands, love your wives. How do you do that? As Christ loved the church. So as, as husbands are loving their wives, as Christ loved the church, sacrificially, sanctifyingly, which is a wrong word, but in sanctification, caringly, then the wife is going to respect that leadership. But if that's not happening, she's going to look at you and say, how am I supposed to respect you? Because you're not doing your job loving as Christ loves. Now, women, you are not giving a pass if he fails in that area. Well, since he's failing here, then I don't have to follow my part and respect him there. Not so true. If he's not doing his job, I don't have to do my job. Not so. You still continue to do your job. Because it is unto the Lord. Because it is unto the Lord. Paul, or Peter uses Sarah as an example of one who respects her own husband. He says in verse 6 of chapter 3, Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Husbands, try that at home. You can call me Lord from now on. My wife just walked out, gosh, before I said that. Hopefully she can hear me. I'll say it again. It's a lowercase when you see it. Lord meaning sir. Not, not Yahweh, but Lord meaning sir. And, she said, and the Bible says, and you are her children if you do good. And do not fear anything that is frightening. Sarah went through some frightening experiences with Abraham. Sarah went through wars with Abraham. Sarah was with Abraham during Solomon Gomorrah's destruction. Sarah was taken as the Egyptian man's wife in fear. But in all of that, she was submitting to her husband, her husband's leadership. And was he a bumbling idiot sometimes? Yes. Yes, he was. She obeyed his leadership. She listened to him. She came under the headship of Abraham. As Abraham was being led by God, Sarah supported him. She came alongside him. She respected him. And you are following the model of what what Peter calls, therefore what God calls, a godly woman. If you follow the example of Sarah. Peter said, that makes you children of Sarah if you submit as Sarah submitted. She's been exalted as, here's the model of what it means to respect and love and follow your husband's lead. And if you do the same, you are following in that great line of great women. Great line of great women. Not, not line of women who were just doormats. Line of great women in the Bible, elevated by God as great women. Did Abraham fail? Again, yes. Many times. And men, so too, we will fail. And again, honey, we just got to a part right now where First Peter chapter 3, uh, Sarah called her husband Lord, so... Work on that, babe. I told you I was go over to Just because your husbands fail, and just because they make wrong choices, does not mean that your responsibility to submit ceases. You continue because, again, it is unto the Lord. It is unto the Lord. The Bible does not say submit unless he makes a mistake. Then you're free. Not at all. Submit to your husbands. And and failure will often be the test to your submission. Your husband's failure will often be the test of your submission. Will I still love him? Will I still display the gospel on my part? Even though he fails often in his part. And so do you women. And so will you. But will we forsake this picture of the gospel because we happen to be... Once sinners who are now going through this difficult process of sanctification. No, we cannot, because there is more at stake than just you and I. It's the gospel. And if you have kids, you're displaying the gospel to them. And if you have neighbors who know you and your marriages, it's to them You don't want your neighbors to look at your marriages, fall apart and say you're just like the world. You have disgraced the gospel if you do so. The Bible goes on to say later in that same chapter, do this so that the word of God will not be disgraced. So that the word of God will not be disgraced. We must hold on to the picture of the gospel. The creative order will not be changed. This is the way that God has ordained him ordained it, and support him, respect him, pray for him through that. Pray for him. How often do you pray for him? How often do you pray for him? I know my sister's thinking about her husband right now, who will be getting up at 2 o'clock in the morning to drive all across California. Why? So that he can provide for his family. Pray. Pray. Your husbands, as they go to work, could be the last time you see them. Or as you go to work, could be the last time you see him. Pray for him. Don't, don't leave without giving him some kind of affection. Some kind of love. To let him know that you care. My wife does that for me every single day, no matter where I am in, in the house. She'll let me know she's leaving that she loves me. You know that men need affirmation? They need it more than we realize it. Now, we don't need it every day, but gosh, every once in a while, it means so much. Every once in a while, my wife will do that every now probably more than, than I can count. Yeah, I just love you. And I'll, you know, me, I'm trying to be silly. Why? But I want her to tell me why. <laughs> And she'll go on and tell me why. And then she wants me to tell her why. Now, what about me? (laughs) Oh, you know. Support your husbands as they lead your family. Think about this. When God created woman for Adam, there was a specific primary purpose for which she was created. Do you know what that was? To help. Not good for a man to be alone. I'll make him a helper. Genesis 2.15 Isn't it interesting that the very thing that God created woman to be in the union marriage is the same thing he calls himself to be when we're united to him in Christ. Isn't that interesting? The same thing that God calls the wife to be is the same thing that he calls himself to be when he unites us to himself in Christ. What does he call himself? The helper. John sixteen seven. the helper, the wife is sent by God to help, to compliment the man in his weaknesses and his shortcomings. The woman was made for the man, Paul said in First Corinthians chapter 11. There are so many things in my life that my wife has made me so much of a better man because of our union together. I am so much more and I thought I was patient before so much more patient than I was before. So much more caring than I was before. So much more sensitive than I was before. So uh, less quick to jump the gun and make assumptions than I was before. All of those things that I said, she is that to the ump degree. Sensitive, caring, patient. And has helped me to be all those things that I'm not. The woman has is is been given by God to the man. To help her govern as well. Although there is order there, she is there also to help govern. It's not as though we're in our home and she says nothing to our son Nazareth. She helps to govern in the home. He's to submit not just to dad. He's to submit to parents. Children, submit yourself to your parents. Children, obey your parents. She helps to govern in the home. Amen. And in that, she's also helping him, encouraging him. Comforting him, coming alongside and supporting him. And husbands, we have to play the part in allowing her to do so. We have to allow her to help. We have to allow her to counsel. We have to allow her to give encouragement. We have to. And husbands, I hope that some of you could admit this. I think that some of us, if we're honest, are thankful that we do. And wish that we would do it more often. There are things, and I'll just say as a side note, there are things that at times I'll ask her. And I follow what she says as I lead. Does that make sense? Well, she'll say, this is what we," I think we should do. And I agree. I'll, I'll follow her advice as I lead us forward. And I thank God for that sometimes. As a matter of fact, I thank God for that most of the time. Except we bought that one thing. Remember that? It was your idea. No, I'm just kidding. Wives must also love their husbands. The Bible says the Apostle Paul commands older women in Titus 2.4. Listen to this. Older women encourage young women to love their husbands. This is what older women are to be teaching younger women. Teach them to love your husbands. Here's what else. Teach them to be self-controlled. Older women teaching younger women. Just control yourself. Older women teaching younger women, be pure. Older women teaching younger women, work at home. Meaning, when you come home, don't be a busybody. Don't get on your phone or your whatever else, social media, and start gossiping. Be active at home. Be involved in the home. Older women teach the younger women, submit to their own husbands. Why? So that the word of God may not be reviled. Brother Ray, can you turn the AC on real quick, just for a moment? This is what older women, a command to older women in the church. This is a command from God to you, older women. Older women, are you practicing this? Younger women, are you looking for that? Older women should take a vested interest in younger women in the church. Invite them over to your homes. Teach them how to stay married long. Are you hearing me? Older women, invite younger women to your homes. Teach them how to be married long. Teach them what it means to to love their husbands. And younger women, be quiet and listen. Just sit there and listen. If she's been married longer than you, just sit there and listen. That's the respect that you give. Amen. When we clean homes at times, and I hear that, that there's a couple that they've been married for, you know, a hundred years or whatever. I always will ask that married couple, how did you do it? How are you doing it? I already asked you, Eddie, a long time ago. How are you doing it? How did you do it? And no matter whether, whether they're saved or not, I'm going to close my mouth and listen. Because they've lasted a long, longer than I have. And whatever wisdom I can take, I'm going to take it because I want to be with her until we're gray and wrinkly and nasty and old. And I don't care who gives me advice on how to get there. Obviously, I'm going to take it most readily from a believer. But from anybody, they've been longer than me. I need to shut my mouth and listen. You've been working in a job longer than I. What am I going to do? I'm going to close my mouth and listen. I got things to learn, don't I? Yeah, I do. Seek wisdom. Younger ones, sit at the older ones' feet and listen. Wives, love your husbands. Seek God's very best for him. Seek God's very best for him. My, my wife loves me in ways that I, I saw in her before we were married, but never could imagine that it would be so much better than it actually is. I saw it in her before we got married, but never could imagine that it, it was even better than that. Cares for me... And gives herself to me in ways that I, I could never imagine. Thinks of me before she thinks of herself. Cares to see more my joy more than I, I know I need it. Gives me a gentle touch, touch when I least expect it, but when I most need it. In many ways, the love of my wife reminds me of the love that my mom had for my dad. I, I was privileged to watch my mother wake up. For 42 years, cook breakfast for my dad. Go out of her way to, to buy him something that she knows he wants. <laughs> Sell all of her stuff just to get him something. Stand on her feet for countless minutes that I can remember as they were in the kitchen and she just massaging his head. She would do it all day long if he asked her. I saw love in ways that I now see in my life. And that brings me a joy to see her face on my phone calling me when she's coming home. Or to see her walk. Or even the, the we have these rocks in our driveway. Even to hear the rocks in our driveway. no, my, There's, a, there's a, a a skip in my heartbeat as my wife pulls into the driveway knowing my, my, my queen is home. To see her come in. Dog tired. And I always hug her, grab her, mess with her. I, I I like to mess with her a lot, but that's my way of just saying, I'm glad you're here. I'm happy to see you. My girl is home. We need each other. She's not to function apart from me, and I'm not to function apart from her. It's the way God designed it. We talk about, what would you do if you died? I ain't doing nothing. I'm going to be preaching here, and these people are going to have to deal with a single pastor for the rest of their life. Or, if y'all leave, I'm going to be a missionary and just go to the nations, me and Nazareth. I don't need to get married again. Let's deal with the second last point before we go. What's the motive? Their submission. What's the motive? Verse 22. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives are to submit in everything to their husbands. Wives, this is ultimately not for your husband. Here's your motive. It's for the Lord. Ultimately, the motive is it pleases God. It's fitting, it's right. It's part of who God has called you to be as a Christian. You submit to your husband. This is what being a woman of God is all about. It's about a woman and her Lord. It's about a woman and the Lord Jesus Christ. When you submit to your husbands, you have an opportunity to show what Christianity is really all about. You are privileged to show that you are no longer a part of the world, that you are no longer a pagan, that you are a true believer who submits to, To who? To Christ. But how? By submitting to your husbands. Unless this is your motive, ladies, no other argument will suffice. Unless this is your reason, above all other reasons, if your reason for ultimately not submitting to your Christ, or submitting to your Christ is not because of your submission to Christ... Let me say it again. If your reason for ultimately not submitting to your husband is not because you submit to Christ, then no other reason will be sufficient. No other argument that I bring up will be sufficient. If you care not about the word and the will and honor of Christ, then you will not live this out. But if you want God to be glorified, if you want Christ and the gospel to be displayed in your lives and in your marriages, then you will run to submission, not run from it. Verse 22, wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Verse 24, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should, should submit in everything to their own husbands. Wives are to be a reflection of how truly regenerated Christians respond to Christ, the head. And they do this by submitting to their husbands. The gospel is at stake. The gospel is at stake in your marriages. The gospel message is being displayed and portrayed every day in our homes, before our kids, and in front of our neighbors, every single day. Are you mindful of that? What's your motive? What's your motive? The gospel is your motive. What's at stake? The gospel. What else? The word of God being dishonored, Titus says. How is the word of God dishonored? When husbands don't love their wives as Christ loved the church, when wives don't submit to their husbands as the church submits to Christ, the word of God is shamed. I'll say it again and finally, it is a gospel issue. It is a gospel issue. This gospel drama is being displayed in our marriages. That's your mission. That people might see before their very eyes the attitudes and ways of life, of unity and submission between the head and And the body. It would make people look at your marriage and say, This is from another world. People don't love like this. This is weird. Tell me about you. That you might be an example and a witness to the gospel. And it's a challenge, isn't it? To mortify the flesh, two sinners. Who are slowly being regenerated by God. Two sinners coming together to display to a fallen world the gospel. It is a challenge. Mortify the flesh. But it is great encouragement that Christ has reversed the fall. And look in our lives. Look in our marriages. This is evidence of that. This is evidence of that. Why should the world take notice? Why should the world stand up and take notice of the gospel that we preach if they can't see it in our own lives? And even displayed first and foremost in our marriages. Why would they care? Why would they care to give ear to what we say? They won't. Go into all the world and make disciples? Yes. Start in your very own home. Let's pray. Can you turn this down a little bit? Father, thank you for this, this time in your word. We pray that it was both edifying, challenging, and encouraging to your people. We pray that you alone were glorified. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.